0: to continue the series that we started three weeks ago, Let's Go. I'll need my Bible for that, so let me get that. And we were in a series that we looked at this Main um, scripture in Micah 4.2. This is what it says. Micah 4.2. It says, Come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob that He may teach us His ways and that we may walk in His paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So we talked about how in this place we're going to gather. We're going to come here on Sunday morning and we're going to gather as a church and we're going to learn how to walk in his ways. We're going to learn his ways and we're going to learn how to walk in them. That's as we gather. But we're not only called to be Christians on Sunday morning, are we? Hold on. We're not only called to just show up to church and do the Jesus thing on Sunday morning, are we? No, we're called to scatter and go into every phase of our life, every friend group, every you know, family member. Every, we want Jesus. We want the gospel to fuel every part of our lives. And if it doesn't already, my hope is that this, through this series, we can kind of learn how to do that because it's not easy to be set apart. It's not easy to be following Jesus because this world does not it is not cool with following Jesus. There's this tide that's against uh, us as we look to follow Jesus. If you are here this morning and you do not follow Jesus, or you're just checking out Jesus, you're checking out this church out, welcome, welcome. We're an imperfect people, like everybody in this seat is imperfect And we're all here trying to figure it out as we look at our perfect Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's what we're here to do. That's what we're going to continue to do. So for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. We tied that in with Acts 1.8. This is a, a book in the Old Testament, the prophet Micah. And out of Zion means the mountain of the Lord there in Jerusalem. And so fast forward to the New Testament. We looked at this verse in Acts where Jesus now is resurrected. He's hanging out with his disciples in his resurrected body. And when the disciples think that finally Jesus came back, now all we need to do is watch him do his thing. He's going to usher in the kingdom of God. He's going to make, uh, make every wrong a right. Jesus actually shocks them and says, hey, actually... Uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus basically was saying, I am going to go up. I'm going to ascend into heaven. The Holy Spirit is going to come down in you, my people, my church, you're going to go out into all Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, into the ends of the earth. And so that's, what we've been looking at. I showed you this little concentric circle where we see that Jerusalem is gonna be our, our family. We're gonna look at how, how to be witnesses, how to be faithful witnesses of Jesus Christ to our families, our marriages, and our kids specifically. And then uh, we're also gonna look at community. Uh, I labeled that our church, our community groups, and also our workplaces. Those people that we are around the most on our day to day. And then we're gonna look at the city. We're going to look how we serve our city how we're called to change our city that's part of our vision statement building a community changing a city we're also going to look at how we deal with people that we don't agree with people that we don't see eye to eye samaria had a lot of cultural differences they had a lot of uh, issues with the judeans with 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 the israel uh, israelites and so we're going to talk about that in city and then to the ends of the earth so reaching a country and world we're going to be Uh, spotlighting some missions partners and and actually see, well, maybe we are also called to to go and join these missions partners as we uh, witness to the work of what Jesus is doing all across the earth. So today, I'm not going to start with family because I told you that we're not going to go in order because it's not like a, hey, get your family straight and then, you know, do your your community and then do your city. Because I know some of y'all would rather go on a mission trip to Thailand than actually go on mission in your own families. (laughs) And I know that some of y'all are way more comfortable sitting in here like, man, I'll do this church thing all day long, but you do not want to talk about jesus in your workplace and so we're not going to make this a step-by-step today i actually want to focus on community community in the body of christ chronologically it also works all right because we're going to look at acts chapter two we're actually going to read an entire chapter of the bible today y'all okay with that i'm going to speed read Through it, I'm gonna pluck some things. We're gonna be in Acts chapter 2, right after Jesus ascends into heaven. He says, You know, wait, this Holy Spirit is gonna come down. And the disciples and apostles right now are confused. They're like, What's going on? Where did our Lord go? And so they're sitting in this upper room. We start on the day of Pentecost. All the believers, numbered around 120 or so, were meeting together in one place let me get my page here All right here we go and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring and uh, like a roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them and everyone present was filled with the holy spirit and began speaking in other languages as the holy spirit gave them this ability At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. So, real quick, this is important because when we look at the storyline of Scripture, when we look at the entire storyline of the Bible we, we look at this one story in Genesis chapter 11, the story of the Tower of Babel. Many of you know what that, is, what that is about. Basically, humanity at that time, all were they spoke one language, and then they created this thing called the brick, and they said, hey, let's create this tower that reaches the heavens so that we can make a name for ourselves, said the people. A name for ourselves. And God, the very being that created them, The very being that wanted all of creation to worship him said, "Uh uh-oh, this is not good. And so God actually scattered them and and, and confused them by giving them many, many different tongues so that they couldn't understand, and so he protected them. Because anytime we worship anything other than Jesus Christ, we're, we're, we're on our way to destruction. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's a good thing. If Jesus Christ is not the number one thing that we are worshiping, we're on a dangerous path. And so in his kindness, God scattered them. And this is the redemption of that story. We now have many different people from many different places coming together to you know, this, this holy place, the, the temple actually, the, the mountain of the Lord, and they're hearing one language. They're hearing one God. God is a redeeming God, isn't he? So let's continue. Verse 7, they were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province from Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Christians and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. I have a little map that shows all of the different nations that were represented. So all of those black-lettered names are all of those nations that were present there at the time of Pentecost. It was a pretty incredible moment that was happening. And yet, verse 12, They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them by saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward. And if you've read the Gospels, you know that Peter was often the first one to speak. And when Peter spoke many times, it was like, oh no, Peter, why'd you just say that? And sometimes he got it right. But here's what I want you to know about this context This description, this context. The last time Peter spoke, he denied Christ three times. Remember, God is a redeeming God? We're about to see a Peter filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Fully redeemed by God. And check out what is about to come out of his mouth. With the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out My Spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out My Spirit even on My servants. men.'" and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and the clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." This is the Gospel message of a God who came down Now we have salvation through Jesus Christ. And so today, we are able, filled with the Holy Spirit, to do all of these amazing things. But we're also looking forward to the day when Jesus returns and truly restores and renews all of creation. This is a big word. So he continues. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed the Uh, Jesus, the Nazarene, by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen in his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. King David said this about him. I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and and my tongue shouts His praises. My body rests in hope, for You will not leave my soul among the dead or allow Your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life and You will fill me with the joy of Your presence. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave among, among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses. Of this. Now we talked about these this witnesses. When you encounter Jesus, when you truly encounter the grace of Jesus Christ, you will never be the same. You can't be the same. Because He changes everything. When you realize that there's nothing that you can do to earn God's love, and that it is a free gift from heaven so that you can know and be in relationship with heaven, it changes everything. The Lord said to my Lord, uh, nope. Where am I? Verse 34, for David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God made this Jesus, whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter was on fire, quite literally. He had just had the fire, the very presence of God, empowering him to speak these words. And why am I sharing this with you as we talk about community in the body? Because you and I are called to this very thing. We are called to be these type of witnesses. Witnesses that are bold. Witnesses that are full of love for others. When we preach, we see something crazy happen in people's hearts. We see fruit. And these next verses teach us what that fruit is. Verse 37. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? What should we do? And I don't know about you, but I hope that there's been a time in your life when you've encountered the love of God and you're like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children. We did this today when when we dedicated kids. This this promise is for our kids. As we know Jesus, we now give this promise to our kids as we raise them up to know Him. And to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 and all. That was a good day for the church. And it's been getting better every year since that. My friends, that is the beginning of the church. That's the beginning of every church that calls on the name of Jesus Christ. This is the genesis of the church. And we see some things that I just want to call out as, as we look to, to being His body, His community, out there and everywhere else we go. I will be talking about community groups in a little bit, but before... I, I go there. I, I, you know, that, that you know, as we go, we want to go higher, right? And, and when we go higher, we know that that's going to clash against our culture because Jesus' ways are not the ways of the world. And so we're going to go higher. We're also going to go deeper. We're going to go deeper in our devotion with Him. And that's going to clash with our time and with our energy because we all have busy lives. And so we need to understand that when we, when we go, when we go after Jesus, when we scatter, that's going to clash against time and energy. And then we're going to go farther. We're going to do things that we never thought were imagined in the same way that Peter probably thought there's no way that I'll ever be able to do this or say this given his past, given his story. And so we're, that, that, that clashes with our comfort that clashes with our you know security of I just want to stay here. I don't want to be seen as this, you know, crazy <laughs> radical person, but anyway, we're we're going to get there. So, when we go higher, clashes with our culture. Let's make him known. Let's make Jesus know. Let's make him known in our lives. Let's let's make him known in other people's lives. And as we go deeper, let's build relationships as a body. Let's build relationships with one another. This is where community groups come in. I'll get there in, in a little bit. And as we go farther, let's make disciples. Let's make disciples. We are involved in a lot of things, but there's one thing that Jesus asked us to do. He says, hey, be my witnesses. And he also said, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them everything that I have commanded them and baptizing them in my So as we go farther, as that kind of clashes with our our comfort zone, let's be about making disciples. So how do we do this? Well, we're going to close the chapter starting with verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. There you go. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the Word to fellowship, to to hanging out with a purpose, to sharing in meals, eating together, breaking bread, and prayer. I think those are pretty good things that we can do as we are the body out there. and, And most definitely we do that in community groups. So a deep sense of awe came over them, verse 33. Verse 46 says that they went from temple to homes. And for 27 years, Cypress Creek Church has met in the temple, in this house, and in homes. It started in a home, and then it grew. And then the Sunday services started. But community groups, or heart groups, as they were called, are the true heart of the church. Because it's not about only what happens here on Sunday morning. It's about what happens in homes. And so I want to give you a few points. Why do we do community groups? Why do we do community groups? Number one, because the Bible says so. It just said it. We just read it. Homes. They met in homes. Is that a good enough reason? Okay, good. I can move on then. The second one is that life happens in the home. When we meet together in people's houses, when we gather outside of this place, it's a different setting. It's more comfortable. It's more intimate we can truly grow deeper to know one another the third is that all are capable to serve and lead and so it really pushes the staff and the pastor kind of on the side and it allows every member to minister and to be a shepherd and to care that's how God designed it God did not design this to be a top-down deal it's a grassroots effort from the body Ministers, you know, I started as as somebody that showed up at a community group. I had gone to many different churches, but it just didn't click. Something was still missing, and it wasn't until I was loved, invited in a home where I felt finally I'm in. I'm all in. This makes sense that this walk is not to be walked alone but it's to be walked with other believers that are going to challenge me, that are going to encourage me, that are going to keep me accountable, that are going to make sure when I do something foolish, stop it. Good. I needed that. Thanks. And I can continue on my journey. It's about everyone being involved. Then the last thing is that they're easily reproducible. It takes years to produce something like this, but it only takes a few months to multiply a community group. So, like I said, I, I, I grew up Catholic. My story is that I, I grew up Catholic, and, and when I would go to church, I would have true awe and reverence towards God. I knew the Father. I knew the Father's love, and I knew that Jesus was on the crucifix, but I, I was confused about that. I, I, I lived with a lot of guilt. I knew that what, when I sinned, I knew that was wrong, but I thought that that Guilt only distanced me from God, and so I tried very hard by doing different things to kind of work my way to God. And I realized I wasn't very good at that. the the bad uh, The good never outweighed the bad, and and I want to tell you a story. When I was fifteen. I found myself in Boston. I I went to a five week uh, music summer program in a college there, and I was by myself for the very first time, and that's when I realized some of my sin issues kind of coming to play at 15 years of age. So I was invited to this uh, room, this dorm um, room with some friends, and you know, we were 15, and they brought beer into that room, and I went there with them, and I only opened up a can because I didn't want to be that weird person. I knew it was wrong, but I opened up the can, I think I took one sip, and it wasn't like fifteen minutes until the you know, the, the residential folks kinda came in and crashed our little party. It wasn't much of a party. But they, they, they came in, got us all out, and I was kicked out of the program. I was kicked out of the the dormitories. I was the one that stood up and said, Hey, hold on, we you know anyway, I didn't get kicked out of the program. Here's my point. I was distraught. I was by myself, I was alone, and I went to a church. And I'll never forget showing up at the doorstep of that church and finding a locked door. And I thought, this can't be it. There's something missing. And it was three years later when I was 18, a freshman at Texas State, when I walked into a community group and I was fully loved and fully known, not only by God, but by my brothers and sisters. And that's when my transformation journey truly began. I was baptized. I, had a, I didn't want to be baptized because I'd already you know, been sprinkled and stuff like that, but I realized it wasn't about the act. It wasn't just about doing. It was about obeying Jesus and what he has called us to do. And so that's a little bit of my story. I'm a big, big, big fan and, and pusher of Community groups, small groups. And so what I want to do, I want to do two things as we close. Number one, if you're a community group, can you please do me a favor and stand up? If you're a community group leader, sorry, if you're a community group leader, do me a favor and please stand up. So if you're not in a community, here are your community group leaders. Talk to them, they're not as scary as some of them may look. And ask them, when does your community group meet? And feel free to go and check it out with no strings attached. Just go and hang out with a purpose. Thank you community group leaders, you can sit down. If you attend a community group, I want to encourage you to pray about becoming a leader of a new community group and multiplying that community group. We kind of talk about like, man, when my community group split, no, we don't split community groups, we multiply community groups. It's about multiplication. It's about filling our cities with community groups of people that love Jesus and want to make Him known. That's it. And you, it's not that hard. The Holy Spirit takes care of it. And if you're a community group leader, you know, tell them, there's no micromanaging on our, on our end. We allow the Holy Spirit to do His thing among our church. And if you are already leading one, those of you that stood up, who are we investing in? Who are we you know, equipping so that they can take our place or, or start, start a new one? So join a community group, and, and here's why. Here's the main reason why we need to be about community groups. I want to roll this clip. It's only 40 seconds long. We rolled it a couple weeks ago. Um, check this out. One word describes Cypress Creek, Christ-centered. Grace. Blessed acceptance,
1: new friendships,
0: belonging, love. When I think of Cypress Creek Church, I think of authentic community.
1: Community. Community. So, so
0: meet to us, Cypress Creek, Creek is, is home. 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 home, 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 home. Family. It's family.
1: Family. 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 Yes, yeah, CCC is my family, with all that entails. And yes, it is good.
0: So those people, and hopefully a lot of you, would agree with those words. But I know that there are hundreds and thousands of people in Hayes County that cannot say they have any of those things. That's why we go. That's why we go. Our community groups are Jesus-centered. We look to Jesus when we meet. We're about relationships and we're missional. It's those three things together. It's about Jesus. It's about loving one another really, really well. And it's about being on mission for Jesus Christ. And so, I want to challenge you today. Go to a community group. There's a community group kiosk back there that you can check out. I also want to share some very exciting news, but I'm going to ask them to do something before I call them up. The most... Crucial tool that we have as we go is our story. I shared a little bit about mine, and I want somebody else to come and, and share their story. Bob Moss, come forward, please. Give it up for Bob Moss. <laughs> Bob, would you mind? He, he has mastered this thing. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. It's a, You call it a two minute story? Yes. I think I can listen to your story for two minutes. Okay. Can you share your story in two minutes? I can. Can I put the. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Time me.
1: Yes. Um, he mentioned when he was 15. Well, when, wa- when I was 15 years old, I found a lot of pleasure in alcohol, tobacco, gambling, and pornography. And I got a couple part-time jobs to support my pleasure. But, and I lost interest in school. When I was a senior, I was expelled from school. I joined the Navy, and I loved the Navy. I loved the structure and discipline that I found in boot camp. After boot camp, they sent me to school in Lakehurst, New Jersey, where I learned to work in meteorology. From there, after I graduated, I went to Corpus Christi. It was in Corpus Christi that I really became deeply entrenched in my habits. And I found my wife, Linda, we had a baby and my marriage started to fall apart because of the habits that I was, that I had formed. I didn't want my marriage to fail so I tried to quit and that's when I discovered that they weren't just habits. What had started as pleasure had turned into addictions. But I had a mystical experience and I started following Jesus. He rescued my family, he rescued me and instead of having a failed marriage today, Linda and I have six children, 25 grandchildren, And four great-grandchildren with one on the way. And I
0: give Jesus Christ all of the praise and all of the glory for what he has done. Amen. No, you keep that. You keep that. We're not done here. You can't get away that easy. Okay. So we all have a story. We all have a story. And this week in our community groups, I want us to really dig deep. What is your story? Your story before Christ, how you encountered Christ, and then how your life has changed beyond Christ. So let me just talk about Bob for a little bit. Bob, you started ministry. I did some research behind your back. 1970? 72. So 1972. What is 9? That's, help me out somebody. 47 47 years. Thank you. 47 years. Um, When did you retire from vocational ministry? Three, a little over three years ago on my... uh, 74th birthday so Bob retired and then that's when he came to Cypress Creek Church he and pastor Rob had a really strong bond and so he led our CR uh, ministries meeting up with a bunch of guys leads a community group and uh, I asked him to meet with somebody here's the story I asked him to meet with somebody and and he did and then he called me and if you ever want to get excited about what God's doing just have a conversation with Bob (laughs) and I said Bob this is so great I'm so glad that this happened I'm concerned about your time. And he said that he had some thoughts as well. And so, long story short, this morning I am presenting to you our new pastor of spiritual formation. Bob has come out of retirement to be on staff at Cypress Creek Church in this season. And I got to tell you, for me, as a young, new lead pastor, to have a sage and a warrior like Bob, I want to be like Bob. I've said that before from the stage. I just want to be, have that peace and have that joy that is so deeply entrenched in, in you that is obviously from Jesus Christ. And so it's going to be fun. Uh, he's going to be speaking at the men's breakfast next week. We're doing it early, 7 o'clock. Um, we'll have some worship. We'll have some coffee. We'll you know, have a, a short teaching and, of course, fellowship. So fun things are yet to come. Is there anything you'd like to, you'd like to add? Well, I'm
1: honored and uh, blessed and very grateful to be a part of this church. Linda and I uh, are just overjoyed.
0: Yeah, I have to give him a hard time. You said you retired from vocational ministry, but you never really retired. You were always doing ministry, and so we'll go ahead and, and, and put a title. Uh, he'll be helping out with community groups some, and so Bob, I'm so excited! I I'm am so too. excited! Amen. Give it up for Bob, please. Thank you. So as you're thinking of your story, I, I want you to think about. Um, there's this, there's this verse in Matthew that says that you are the light of the world. I think it's, it'll be on the screen. I'm not going to read it, but you can see it there. And it asks us to not hide our light underneath a lamp, but to make, make sure that it is open so that everyone can see that light. And I was driving this morning, earlier this morning, the, 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 the uh, sun was still down. And those lights in Wimberley Square, you know, were lit up. And I was thinking about all those little lights and some places have no light. And it was kind of cool, you know, I knew I was speaking this message and I thought that's Cypress Creek Church. We are these little lights in our community and we need more lights. We need more lights. And whenever um, I learned how to play the piano, I had a Russian piano teacher. His name was El Guja. He was a disciplinarian uh, because he was Russian. And uh, I'm grateful because now I know how to play the piano. But he always did something that was really special. He would play a song for me in full before we started working on it. And that inspired me to want to play like he did. Never really got there quite there, but I would try to imitate him. And because he showed me how to play the song before, I knew what it sounded like. And I was ready to go ahead and tackle that song, even if it was a one. That is our story. Our story, when we share it for others, it demonstrates what God can do. And a lot of people are just waiting for a true example of a faithful witness of what it looks like to actually follow Jesus. And that's going to change their maybe perspective of what church is like or what Jesus is like, but that's the power that our stories have. It's resurrection power, thanks to what Jesus has done for us. So as we close, I encourage you, join a community group. Share your story. Let's go. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you came and that you gave us hope. I thank you that we are like Peter, who at at a time, we, we, we just turned our backs on you. But you made a way for us to come back. You don't define us by who we were. You define us by who we are in you, and that's sons and daughters of the Lord's Most High. And Father, I pray for anybody in the room that is still on that journey. I pray for anyone here this morning, Lord, that needs an experience with you, Father. I pray that they would know that you are here, that you're not disappointed, that you love them, that you see them, not by what they've done, but who they are, who you say they are. And Lord, may we be faithful witnesses as we scatter from this place. We ask for more lights, God, in Wimberley, Texas, and San Marcos, and Kyle, and in Buda. We ask for your will to be done. In Jesus' name.